hospitality was incredible. It was so selfless. And these people, I mean, it's a 7,000 person church. They don't, they don't need me. They don't need Michelle. They blessed us. They put us before them. It was, the hospitality was like nothing I've ever seen. I almost couldn't handle it. But see, this ties into the message because we've been studying Philippians. Last week we went over to chapter one, beyond the moment. We introduced the idea of the letters that were going to the Philippian church in Philippi, a part of modern day Greece. If you weren't here, Paul was writing from house arrest, sending back through Epaphrodites, his messenger, to thank the people for the money they had sent for his Starbucks and, and also to give them some joy to know that all seasons are temporary and that he could view any season that looks dark to the world as a positive in the sight of God and know that it was seasonal and that it would come to an end and he knew he would see them again. But this week we're going to go into two, chapter two, and look at what he says there. You see, they say there's no, um, how's it go? There's no I in team. Isn't it T-E-I-A-M? No, it's T-E-A-M. Any good team knows to work as a unit. And in order to work as a unit, I can't be the focus. As we examine the works of Paul in the second chapter of Philippians, we see the theme that in order to honor God, we must honor each other. I thought I was honoring God. You are when you honor each other. When you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. When you did it to them, you did it to God. We want to honor God? We honor each other. If I can never get myself to a place of putting God's people before myself, I'll never fully see God for who he is and why the price he paid on the cross was so invaluable. It's a team thing. Touch your neighbor, tell him it's a team thing. It's a team thing. We talked about it this morning in, in the volunteer huddle. It's a team thing. There's no I in team. Are you willing to change your viewpoint from what it takes to succeed for yourself and replace it for what it takes to glorify and edify God? That, everybody say that, is when you will see change in yourself. See, it's backwards. You want to change you? Glorify, edify God, honor them. There's no I in team. If we go to chapter two, we're going to look at the first 11 verses. I pulled out three sections of chapter two. We cover most of it. But. And if you weren't here last week, this is what we call more of an expository, just going through the scripture and applying it versus a topical where I pull a topic and talk about a scripture. And this is a little more scripture. So if you're not using it, you're not used to it, hang in there, stay awake. It's going to be good. It says, therefore, verse one, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. He's talking to the Philippians from prison. Having the same love, being of one accord, unity, and of one mind, and unity. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other higher than himself. Lift up your brethren. That's what he's saying. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of 
others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, this is how Jesus operates. WWJD, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. And me, says Paul. He's got to figure it out. Now he's trying to make sure they understand that he's just letting the mind of Christ be in him. So should, so should they. This mind being Christ, who was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taken on the form of a slave or bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. It's saying he went to the cross when he didn't have to. He stayed humble. He stayed obedient to the point of even death. He didn't have to. Therefore, verse 9, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name. Everybody say the name. Above, which is above every name. It's the only name given among men that we can be saved. That are at the name of of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's good. Paul's good. There is no other name. The title of this sermon in this Affection from Afar series is on bended knee. Yeah, I stole it. Anybody? Yeah, yes. Not only was it Boys to Men, but since we're talking about it, it was just the greatest R&B song of the 90s. Come on, I wish I had a lighter right now. Let's see. Uh, Darling, I, I can't explain. I'm, that's Sean. That's Sean in the group. Where did we lose our way? Girl, it's driving me insane. She's my wife. And I know I just need one more chance to prove my love to you. If you come back to me, I'll guarantee that I'll, it's, it's actually about God, that I'll never do you wrong. I'm trying to do my best here. Can we go back to the day our love was strong? Come on, everybody, get your lighters out. Can we tell me how this perfect love, I don't remember the words, go wrong. Can somebody tell me, now I'm Wanye. I went from Sean, now I'm Wanye. Can somebody tell me how to get things back the way they used to be? Oh, God, give me the reason I'm down on bending knee. I, listen, it's, it's not show and tell, but that's the best song of the 90s. That's the best R&B song of the 90s. I'm bending knee. So I stole it. I said, that's, that's good. That's good. I'm bended knee. They're going to think I'm crazy. I'm singing R&B love songs at the pulpit. It's great. But see, they don't understand that there's a connection for everything. That getting on your knee means more than just a proposal. Oh, we're going to talk about that. See, my spiritual elevation determines my ability to see his righteousness. My spiritual elevation positions me to observe and see his righteousness. Anybody have glasses when they're a kid and the doctor told them, one, one person had glasses when they're a kid, two, three, good. I mean, not good, but it's good that somebody understands this. Shay has, she had glasses when she was a kid. Anybody have a astigmatism? Yes, me too. Yes, my, my boys in the back there, all the men, Yes, Maria had a stigmatism. 
gen. See, they, they say astigmatism means you can't see far away, okay? You can see up close, but you can't see far away. You wear the glasses, and they say eventually it can be corrected. It's not forever. It has the ability to be corrected. But some of us live life with a spiritual astigmatism. We're real good at seeing how we look in church, and we're real good at, at quoting some scripture, and we're real good at, at getting, getting the, the wardrobe and looking the thing, but we can't see beyond self, even like on social media. WWJD? Guilty. I do it. It's like this blockage. There's a, there's a block on our spiritual cornea to see clearly beyond this, self. Our viewpoint has been trained to be on self. But Paul says, humble yourself. Be in a lowly place. It's a place of promotion. You want purpose? Humble yourself. It's an elevation change we need to see his righteousness. Paul says we need to see it differently, and then it can be corrected. Our spiritual astigmatism can be corrected when we see it differently. Well, how do we see it differently? We can't see beyond self because we have these spots of jealousy, these spots of being a know-it-all. That's what, that's what we call it. They're such a know-it-all. Do people use that word anymore? Is that a thing? They know everything. We have spots of overly self-confident. We call it cocky or arrogant. We have spots of pride. Well, we think we have it together. But in the end, we're sitting in the dark going, how do we get here? Because we have a spiritual astigmatism. And self-confidence is a good thing. But if it gets too strong, it can cause the inability to see your neighbors for how God sees them. At this conference, there was people that were big time. I say, we're all serving God. And they did too. That's why it was cool. There was people with churches of Oh my goodness, they're like, how many campuses you got? They're like, it was so like crazy to me. It was on another level. But, but everybody knew the mission was the same because they had grown through that season of spiritual astigmatism where they thought they were better than they were. It wasn't like that. It was, how can we help you? How can we be there for you? How can you help me? You know, everybody was there for each other and we understood and they understood and as the body we are to understand, as Paul says, to honor each other the same way we honor God. That's what it's about from a lowly place. When we get too comfortable, we can become complacent in our understanding with the word. I know enough word. I don't need to read anymore. I don't need to learn anymore. Causes a little issue on that spiritual cornea. Sometimes we just haven't had enough discomfort, unfortunately, to see the need for others. There's so many people who have gone to church for years and years and they know nothing about helping their brethren. That means brothers and sisters. They know nothing about serving. They know nothing about helping somebody. Isn't that sad? The, the church is to be the arms and feet. And that's not their fault. It's just that's what, that's maybe the culture they were raised in. But we're here to break that. We're here to break that and stick to the scripture. This is not about us, but for a season while we were yet babes in the Lord. But now we are to feed the new babies so they can grow up too and prosper. So they can grow up too and find their purpose. Discover God's perfect plan made just for you. That's the vision of One Seed Church. How we discover God's perfect plan made just for us is then how we spread that great commission into the next person through some more seed. 
We just keep throwing out seed. But sometimes it takes a, a discomfort, an uncomfortable situation to see things different. And without that situation, if it's not bad enough, we, we won't consider change. It's just not, it's easy to go back to the same habit. It's easy. It's easy. You ever been, how can I say this? I do this all the time. You know when like you go on a trip, you get all these great ideas, and you're like, find yourself, does anybody do this? You send yourself emails, and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this when I get home, and you're motivated, right? And then what happens? You come home, and all of a sudden you're like, ah, maybe next year, and the list starts shrinking. It's because you're back into that place of familiarity, and it really just wasn't dire straits enough to really go do the change. It's not really worth it like I thought. You know, it's kind of like when you live far away. When I used to come home and I lived far away, everybody was so glad to see me and just, oh, we missed you so much. And all my friends made time. And then when I lived here, it's like, went back to the same way. It's because we get used to what it was. The newness wears off. We become comfortable again in the way it's always been. So we go back to the same thing. But Paul says, you need a situation sometimes. If anybody had a situation that was rough, it was Paul. I mean, the guy who went through every bad thing you could think of. So if he can do it, we can do it, right? Y'all with me? Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's good. It's good. Uh, Pastor John Siebling, he's, his thing is, y'all tracking with me? I noticed after a while, he's like, you tracking with me? And I almost said it right then. You tracking with me? No, I can't. That's his thing. I can't steal that. <laughs> but it almost came out because every day that, that's, that's his thing. Anyway, subtle problems keep us the same. If I'm not willing to proclaim the name and wear it proudly, I'm really hiding it under, you know, a bushel. They don't treat me good. They don't deserve anything from me, so I'm not going to honor them. Tough luck, man. Hey, Jesus loves you. Oh, got to merge. Here comes a merge. Hit the gas. I got to be first. Oh, I know how that goes. I was, the, I was the merge devil back in the day. You would not get in that merge before me. It didn't matter if we crashed. It's all about being first. It didn't, it didn't matter. But now, I don't know if it's wisdom or old age. Most of the time, you go ahead. I'll slow down. Michelle, especially Michelle's in the car. She'll get on me. Let them go. Let them go. They're God's children too. God made them too. I know they did something nasty to you, but God loves them too. It's not your place to take care of it. Give it to the Lord. He'll take care of it. He is their judge. We give it to the God. That's, that's what's so good is we can give it to God. We don't have to take care of it. We don't need to carry that burden. Jesus says, my Burden is light. My yoke is easy. Give it to me. I can pull the plow. You're not meant to pull the plow. You need me. Give it to me. If we never love people the way God desires, then I will continue to keep myself at the top of my list. Myself. My list. My walk. My thing. But there's no I in team. There's the answer. Let's look at chapter 12, verse 12 through 18. He says here, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but when I'm not with you. But now for 
much more in my absence. Work out of your own salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. It's not me, Paul. You have God yourself. You don't need me to do this. God gives the increase. For it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. Verse 14. Do all things. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. Are you ready? Everybody say it together. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Oh, oh, I'm out of here. I just can't. Complaining too? Ugh. Jen, the only Starbucks had no parking in Memphis. We had to walk like 100 feet to get into Starbucks. There was no parking lot. Oh. Well, things I got to go through. Really, no complaining, God? Paul says, no complaining. If you can do it, you're going to grow. No disputing. That's arguing. Well, let me tell you what I think. One time I was cutting, cutting through the parking lot. And this woman, so I was in Lowe's parking lot. The greatest stories come to mind. It's the anointing, right? I was, I was in Lowe's, and there's no cars. And I was going a diagonal thing across the lanes. And some lady felt the need to tell me that I was cutting through the parking lot. I said, okay. I don't know what I said. That was, that was a long time ago. It probably wasn't that nice. The point is, don't worry about it. It's not your battle. If you're going to help somebody, that's cool. If you're defending somebody, that's cool. But just to dispute to dispute, give it to God. Don't waste your, your minutes of life. It's going to make you feel like dirt afterwards. Because you're not going to win nothing. You're going to win the battle, but you're still going to be fighting the war. You know what I mean? Let go of the disputes. Let go of the complaining. Do you know your mouth's like a spring, James says? A spring doesn't produce bitter and sweet. It's one or the other. You know, God says if I can get your mouth in the book of James, I can control your whole body on and on. We still, we steer horses by the bits of their mouth. On and on, we praise with our mouth. So what is coming out of our mouth? Complaining is a tough one. That's probably my toughest one. I get tired and I get grouchy like the green guy on Sesame Street. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Oh, yeah. I'm a light. <laughs> I forgot that when I gave him the finger. I forgot that. Did I say that? I said that. I forgot that I'm a light in this world to shine Christ's light. And I don't need to punch him in the face. I don't need to curse him out. I don't need to throw him a hand gesture or some crazy looking emoticon. Did you know you can curse people in emoticons now? If you want to just text them and blow them up with some nasty, you can do it. Every time a new emoticon comes out, I send it to my brother just to get his evaluation. <laughs> he doesn't laugh, but I do. I don't know. That was a long time ago. <laughs> we are to be lights. How does a light complain? How does a spring have bitter and sweet? You see, you got to choose. You have a choice. It's not their fault that you choose to stay negative. It's not... Their fault, you choose to keep complaining and griping about them. You're not hurting them. They're leaving the situation and forgetting all about you when you talk about it for the next two hours, about what they did. And then you repeat it again. And then the older you get, the, I notice this as I get older, I repeat stuff more. 
Michelle's like, we talked about it, and I'm doing it to her too. Michelle, you told me that. It's easy to do. We're a light. The shine is this light. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain, that it was wholehearted. This is a wholehearted mission. You want to see God move, it's got to be wholehearted in anything you do. Go all in for God. Yes, and if I being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, meaning if, if my life is a sacrifice so that you can further in the gospel, I am glad and rejoice with you all, even if I die, says Paul. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. He's saying, man, I gave it all for you. Jesus gave it all for you. You don't have any right to be negative. You Jesus didn't owe us nothing. You should be rejoiced and be glad with me. Today is the day you have made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. That's right. That's why we choose joy even when we don't feel it. That's why we sing praise and we, even when we feel numb because as we speak it, we speak life, things change. God spoke the word into existence. He spoke the world. He spoke the heavens. He spoke the waters. He spoke the He spoke everything into existence. It matters what comes out of here. So all that to tell you, be different. Don't be like the rest of them. Some call it weird. Weird is different. Weird sounds weird, but weird is really different. God wants us to be different enough that there's some kind of separation, yet we are to mingle and bring the truth to those that are different. You know what I mean? We're not supposed to isolate and never talk to them, but we're supposed to be different. We are to bring the gospel. We are to shine his light, be different from all your people at work that do those things and talk about those things and talk about their, their relationships that way and they dog this and they hate on them. And they, you don't have to do that. In fact, when you don't and all them do, they're going to say, why, doesn't, why don't they do that? That's, that bothers me. And eventually, God's going to get their heart because that's called conviction. God works on their heart through your action. You don't have to say a thing to them. When you just show love in a situation where everybody else is hating on people and they see there's something different about you and the way you talk and the way you glorify God and all these things, they're going to be affected by that without you saying anything actually to them. God gives the increase. It's awesome. Be different. We can't recognize a strength beyond ourselves when we believe we are self-sufficient. Be different. Don't conform to the world, but continue to shine Jesus. We have to separate our ways from the world that Jesus may be glorified by our witness. What I say matters. What are we speaking as God's representatives? Oh, I don't want to answer that one. We're all human. This is not about perfection. It's about paying attention, though, and thinking on that, keeping it at the front of your memory. What am I saying right now? What am I doing right now? It's a constant reminder. You repeat it to build it into the muscle memory, into your subconscious so it's, it's important we constantly bring it to the front of our minds. What, what I say matters and what am I speaking as God's representative? When you speak negatively, it breeds negativity. Speak life. Speak a sweet spring, not a bitter one. If you want good results, speak good. If you want love, show love. If you want a blessing from God, bless others. Do it unto them, he will do it to you. It's a circle, it's like this. I give it out, it comes back, he gives you more. Promotion comes from a lowly place. It doesn't come from standing at the top looking down. You know what I mean? It comes from a place of being a servant like Jesus. 
My spiritual elevation positions me to observe his righteousness. My spiritual elevation is not just a boys to men song. Paul's service to us was wholehearted and as God's church, God desires us to be the same. Wholehearted. God's design was unique. We live in this world of comparison, man. It's an Instagram world. And I'm all over it. It's a good promotion tool, but it can be dangerous too if you're not careful because you start living by comparison. Well, they have this. Well, they, they have that kind of car. They have that kind of house. Oh, did you see what kind of trip they went on? Oh, did you see what they had? You start devaluing your own things and experience because you're always comparing to someone else who's different than you. It's a poison. It's a stifle in this culture to live by comparison. Comparison will devalue how far you've come with God. It's not their walk, it's your walk. God's plan is for you. His plan is for you. The one for them is for them. They're different. They're unique. Not everybody was called to do the same things. Everybody has a specific plan, a perfect plan. Discovering it is half the battle. Some people go their whole life and never discover the purpose God set out for their life. And once you figure that out, life changes. You look at things different. Let your faith be rich in substance and be real with it, not on the surface. Nobody wants on the surface. Nobody wants Simon the sorcerer. They want a Timothy. They want a humble servant who will give all and God will promote you to heavenly places, to the top. He will put you in charge because he can trust what he's given you when you serve from a lowly place and know your strength is not of yourself. Be different. I got my notes messed up here. Too many pieces of paper. The last passage we're going to look at is 19 through 24. Chapter 2. Change our elevation. It says, but I trust in verse 19. I trust in the Lord Jesus and send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one, no one else like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Everybody wants what they want. I have no one except one who put you first. Timothy. But you know, his proven character, he has a track record. We all got bad track records, but we can correct the stigmatism and build a good track record. And when it's built and consistent, guess what? We prove our character. People start trusting us again. It will happen. It takes time. Timothy had a proven record. Proven character. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. He's saying, look, I'm going to be free soon enough and be back with y'all. But I'm going to send Timothy because I can trust him. He has a proven character. I've seen it. I know that I can promote him to give the gospel to you because he served with me in the lowly places. You with me? We got to change our elevation we got to change our elevation to see his righteousness. When we're looking down from up here, looking for God, we're not going to find him. We have to change our elevation on bend and knee, right? It's not just a song. See, you thought I was just singing, see, there's always a connection. God wants us on bended knees. It's hard to do this 
I don't know about y'all, but as a man, like it took me a long time to do this. It took me a long time to do this. I go in my closet sometimes. Pray on my knees. It's carpeted. Hardwood hurts my knees. It hurts my knees. We got to change our elevation to see him for who he is and really what he did on the cross. When you change the elevation, you're going to see past that cornea problem. It's going to be corrected. You're going to now see further than you could see before. You're going to be able to see out in the distance. When before it was blurry because you had to wear them glasses. And then, and then the thing got, got worse. And then finally you said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. God fixed my stigmatism. And he's going to make your path straight and your focus clear. But you have to change your elevation. And Timothy was willing. And God wants us all to be a Timothy of our own. You know what I'm saying? Only from a lowly place can I see a higher purpose when I proposed to Michelle at 24 hour fitness yes I did let's see what year was it 2006 what do we do when we propose men we get down on a knee right because it's a, it's a sign of surrender it's a sign of being humble we're throwing pride out the door and saying this which is in front of me is everything. This is everything. And so when I propose to my wife, she better say yes. But if she didn't say no, I'd be crushed. But I knew she was going to say yes because she didn't have a choice. But I said, listen, will you marry me? God says, will you marry me? God says, I want a proposal too. Did you know we're called the bride? He's the bridegroom. Did you know that? Did you know our thing of marriage? It's, it's not we gave it to God because we did it. God gave it to us because he did it. God married his people, the church. We are the body. He's the head. We're the body. He's the, he's the tree. We're the branches. We are the bride. He's the bridegroom. You have to get in union with God. It's a marriage. And it starts with a proposal to God. You know, it's kind of like repentance. But you, you, can, you can be walking with God and go back to your knees again because sometimes you need, you need a re refresh, you know. You need to remember, what am I doing? I'm sorry, God, I, I, started, I started getting a little confident. I started buying them Jordans thinking it was all about that. They're nice shoes. I only wear them to church. But sometimes I got to remind myself that, God, this is not about me. I am doing this for you. My life is for you, God. And that we should all be a Timothy. And in order to see him for his righteousness, I have to get to a lowly place like Timothy and observe his righteousness on bended knees. So we've got to change our elevation. When I proposed to Michelle, it was my life. And I would have survived. She said no. But I would have been broken because I humbly gave all. It was a vulnerable moment when we go on our knees because we say, okay, now... Here's everything, God. Everything. No, no more protection of myself. I am humbly opening the doors to that which I am needing to. Just like a proposal, it's the same with God. We need to take a spiritual, bended knee. Touch your neighbor, tell him, take a knee. We need to take a knee. Timothy was humble, which is why Paul chose him. He could be trusted. He was willing to take a knee to his peers and give respect where respect was due to edify the body of Christ and not himself. That's why Timothy was promoted in the kingdom. Therefore, he was able to be used by Paul all over Asia. Timothy went all over Asia with the man, Paul, 
the apostle, did you see Timothy was with Paul and he didn't have a, he didn't have a back, backstage pass or nothing? God don't use backstage passes. God don't use security. He just slaps around the devil, says, get out of my way, devil. I got a calling on this life. I got a calling on Timothy. I got a calling on you. I got a calling on you. And no one's going to get in your way when you humbly serve me. At this session, everybody was humble and hospital, hospitable. There was churches and pastors. Just how can we pour into you? And see, everybody's at different levels. We pour into people within our capacity, right? And they do too. And it was all about what can we give each other to help each other? Because they know that is serving God's house was to serve each other. So it was, a, it was an experience we'll never forget. We might go back sometime. But my spiritual elevation, you got to do it sometimes. You got to get on a knee sometimes. It positions me to observe his righteousness, which otherwise I'd be blinded by astigmatism because I can't see past self. Paul celebrates. And we should gospel. Anytime the gospel is spread, even when he says sometimes it's in vain, sometimes it's for self-gain, sometimes it's for attention, but God wants your whole heart. And if the gospel is spread, that is good. But for your situation, change your elevation and change your life. You want to change your life? Change your elevation. Quit telling everybody how good you did. Tell everybody how good God did. And you will do good. It's backwards, see? It's backwards. We don't need to impress them. We want to be faithful to God. God will change them in the process. We all have a baton to carry and pass on as we are to be witnesses in this world. But in order for that to happen, I must be second. He and his people must be first. For him to be first, his people must be first in my sight. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I didn't used to like church people way back before we had a church. I said, I don't want to be around people like that. They're snooty. They're judgmental. They always tell me I'm dressed wrong. That's, that's my experience. It's not everybody's experience. But I carried that on. And God changed my heart through this church that I started longing to be with God's people. Isn't that crazy? When we started, I thought, I'll just hide out in the back. People will talk and that'll be good. I said, no, the pastor's got to talk to the people. Let's kind of do the sermon and then just say bye. See, I was adolescent in my thinking. See, I was being pruned. And now I long to be with y'all. When we're gone for a few days, it feels, like, it feels like a few weeks. And I never understood that until I got in this position. It's because God changes our heart. And in order to serve God, we understand that the fulfillment comes through serving his people. And then they plan. And we keep planting. To gain in the esteemed confidence of Christ Jesus, I must die to self-promotion. If y'all could stand as we close this morning over this Philippians 2. Some of y'all new to church, it's okay. There's not like an instruction book on you should do X, Y, Z. Everybody's path is a little different. The timing's different. Everything's different. These are little seeds. 
that you maybe just hang on to for a while. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're overdue for some seed and you need, you need them to root right now. See, everybody's different. But my prayer is that you take these seeds and do something with them. Whether you plant them and it's going to be growing because God will give the increase if you plant them. One waters, one plants, God gives the increase. If you've never looked beyond yourself, I encourage you this week to do something nice for somebody else. We've talked about it. It's part of our, our mission here is to serve each other. But let's, let's watch what we say. Let's speak life in people. Let's do something different. If, if I don't know what to do, text me and I'll give you an idea. I don't know. I'll Google it. Think of something nice you can do for someone this week to give just a tidbit of Jesus to somebody in the smallest way. Just tell them Jesus loves you. Hey man, come check out church sometime. Hey, God changed my life. Hey, hey, I'll be praying for you. Like anything works because God gives the increase. It doesn't take a data dump. We don't have to dump, you know, a full server, Jim. We just got to plant a couple nuggets. You know what I mean? That's a couple bits, you know, just a little kill a bit. 16 bits to a byte. Was it, eight bits to a byte, thousand bytes to a kilobyte. Now I'm geeking out. Anyway, let's pray. God, this week, we pray that we will take steps forward as your church to reach people, that this is about reaching people, that we take what we've been given and we give it away, that we honor you by honoring your people, that this house grows because of a wholeheartedness like Paul the Apostle, that this church grows in a way that this community has never seen because it's starving for a wholehearted move of God that we want to be a vessel to let you operate in. We know you couldn't do much back in Galilee. We know you couldn't do, do much back in Nazareth because, because they didn't respect what you were doing. But we see the power of God on this house and we know that you are real and that we will be there to shine your light till the day you return. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen.